1: Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also, and you might be watching us there, on the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn your notifications on. That's the key thing so you'll get all of our content. Also, check out 5 You can spell that one out. And if you do, you will get all the content without a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the 5 reasons sports network that includes our friend Mark Brown he's the sponsor of our pregame show been with us the entire season a lot of things that Mark can do for you because he's done two of them for me one of them is he can set up an estate plan for you so go to markbrownpa.com if you have a family make sure that your hard earned money is going to the right place go to markbrownpa.com he's based in north lauderdale he services the entire area but also he's a real estate attorney If you have a bankruptcy, if you have a closing situation, which he's worked on a couple of times for me, he explains things clearly, he goes through the entire process with you, he doesn't overcharge you, and if you mention five reasons, you'll get a discount on all of it. So reach out to markbrownpa.com, again, that's markbrownpa.com, make sure that you mention five reasons, the phone number, 954-566-5678, again, that's markbrownpa.com. And now, today's episode.
0: Down the
2: bitch gang. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Wait, here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars. wearing bubble frogs. Just like Brother said, you in trouble, y'all. Check the floor playing, Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop one hand. If Pat McTrust, it's power to Have
0: the Guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network.
1: Alright, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You and follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reason Sports. I got Brady Hawk. You can follow me at Brady Hawk305. And Alex Toledo, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Greg will likely be back tomorrow. As we speak, it is Thursday night. We're like this has been an interminable wait, but we, we're all we're halfway there, basically, to the Miami Heat playing another game. They are 1-1 in their series. The good news, Scott Foster cannot officiate game three. He will not be assigned to this particular game. Of course, the Miami Heat have lost nine straight games that Scott Foster has officiated. <laughs> that includes uh last postseason this regular season and this postseason so he can't officiate from what i heard he can't officiate this until game seven so you can look forward to that if this thing is 3-3 uh but then scott foster at that point can't extend the series because it's already will have been extended so maybe the heat will actually get better breaks we're not going to talk about him though we're going to talk about eric spolstra and uh, eric spolstra did not want to blame the officiating even though you could tell he was agitated by it Uh, but he made a bunch of adjustments uh, throughout the Milwaukee series. He made adjustments in game two, which he had to make because he didn't have Jimmy Butler. We're anticipating that Jimmy Butler is going to play Saturday. He seems on course to do so from everybody I've spoken to. It seems that other reporters have similar sources because they've heard the same thing that Jimmy is likely to play. And so there will be more adjustments from game two to game three for Eric Spolstra, but we know that Eric holds a few things in his back pocket. Usually and you know this last game you know the whole, the whole strategy was basically zone up and bomb away and Kyle Lowry said it after the game that's what you do when you don't have your lead guy but Alex what else can he do now that you kind of know that Brunson and Randall are going to play because there, there was a question about that going into game two so now you kind of know who's going to be on the floor for the Knicks I mean Tibbs is playing eight okay he's he's playing eight uh Hartenstein played more than he would have ordinarily because Mitchell Robinson got into some some early foul trouble and Hartenstein was effective against Bam, which has been a big topic of consternation uh for Heat fans over the past couple of days. But he's only gonna play three off the bench. Um he's gonna he's gonna play quickly, uh, and he's gonna play Grimes. And and that's essentially it. And he played Grimes down the stretch instead of Randall, um, excuse me, instead of Barrett. Knowing that the Knicks are are gonna be fairly rigid, because Tibbs is fairly rigid in what he does, what can Spolstra throw in here to kind of upset the apple cart a little bit and make the Knicks more uncomfortable?
2: It's funny because, you know, obviously we've had two very different games. You know, we, I don't have to get into how much they missed Jimmy Butler in game two from both sides. We all know what Jimmy Butler brings, what he's great at. I think because like you said, um, specifically like what Kyle Lowry said, that's what you do when your best player is out regarding the zone. And I think you know, we we mentioned this on the last on the last podcast when I asked Brady if you know if he remembers them ever getting out of the zone once they started, and it was actually earlier than I remembered when I when I looked back a little bit. They they started it um, kind of I think three or four minutes left if I remember correctly in the first quarter, and from there I'm not sure if they ever got out of it. They might have for a little bit, but the overwhelming majority for the rest of that game was the zone so that was a very bold play by where even though he kind of was doing it the most specifically in the first half of the season way more than anybody else in the league he wasn't doing it for that many quarters at a time at least not that i remember um it felt a little bit bold and it obviously was just a kind of a gamble to see if they can get it to work uh for that one game and i i mostly thought it was pretty good um it was just kind of at the end everything everything unfolded some of their best players kind of got in rhythm um, off the catch shots. They were able to collapse the zone and make the proper decisions. You kind of, I get the gamble because the Knicks are not a good shooting team. You want to keep them out of the paint. You want to force them into tough contested looks and you want to force their bad players to shoot. I I mentioned it last time. There there was times where, you know, maybe you had the wrong guys taking those open shots, right? But other than that, I I, and they got all those offensive rebounds towards the end. I feel like they were doing a, a decent enough job keeping them off the offensive glass Um, I don't think we're going to see that again so what I'm looking forward to specifically is how much Spo is willing to mix it up with Jimmy back because we kind of saw the blueprint for what it's going to look like in game one Um, there was only a a very small hint of zone in that game so maybe we do see a little bit more than we saw in game one maybe it's not there at all maybe he's kind of uh, tired of the zone he's seen enough of it maybe he's just trying to mix it up and that's what I'm kind of uh looking forward to seeing because i don't know if he's just going to go back to what we saw in game one where um there was a lot of drop when there was kind of bam involved there was obviously a lot of help um sent towards their their better players and the help got better on in the second half so i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that again because i thought there was um they had something there and i'm just uh, kind of interested to see if he's going to throw any other you know, like uh, another change of pace type of coverage there. Like if we go back to, um, you know, switching certain actions, maybe they switch bam a couple of times just to kind of throw them off. I always I enjoy watching Spo during playoff series like this where he can really kind of mix up what he does, and I think the Knicks are a great team to do that against because honestly, like a lot of their stuff, you know, is is on ball, and I think that's why I understood the zone stuff. You t- kind of turn them into a passing team. That's not necessarily what they do but they were able to adjust after seeing it for so many quarters in a row. And they kind of had to figure it out um, towards the end of the game. And so, look, I'm just interested to see Spo do different stuff defensively, go back into mixing it up. Cause I think that's when he's at his best is when he's just kind of diagnosing as the game goes on and offensively. I mean, it's just tough to come up with more stuff than we've already talked about, right? Like, I'm not even going to get into the BAM stuff again. We already did an episode on that. But you are you guys already know how I feel when it comes to there. Like, run more action for him, whether it's on or off ball, just to get him in his positions at least. Uh, at least, you know, uh, cross uh, cross screen off ball, get him into post. Kyle Lowry has to do a little bit more, right? And I think that's a little bit tough because you saw so much in game one. And game two, it kind of dropped off. And that's the unfortunate um, reality of where he's at, I think, right? When it comes to older players, like you can't get the game by game, fantastic games. Like, I, I think that's kind of what we saw with Goran and Dwayne, other guys like him. And so I think overall their three-point shooting in these two games hasn't been fantastic. And I was very worried about, you know, if their shooting isn't fantastic like it was during the Bucks, is this just going to be very, very bad offense again? It hasn't been that bad. I feel pretty good about where they're at. I think offensively, if you're going to play Duncan Robinson, involve him. Even if it's decoy action, even if it's like what, what they were doing in Game One, where they were kind of having um, actions on both sides of the uh, of the court. I think they need more of that. They're they're a team that, especially without Tyler, needs more off ball movement. So get into more of that stuff. If you're not going to involve Duncan in that way as a decoy and as a shooter, I think they did a pretty good job at it in Game Two. I think I want more of it. But if you're if you're not going to do more of it, I would almost just not play him at all. And I, I like Duncan. I just think that if you're going to play him, you have to involve him more. I don't think a guy who's going to get basically his shots in the flow of a game.
1: Let's start with the defensive stuff there that Alex was talking about, Brady. So, uh, you know, the, the zone, I think the points per possession, um, I saw this stat out there. So there was something like 1.35 something points per possession against zone, but one, but 0. .86 against man, but there is a higher dosage of zone uh, than we typically see. But if Jimmy's limited by the ankle, then we may see zone, maybe not to the degree that we saw it, but we may still see some of it in this game. Right.
3: I don't know. Cause I've, I've thought about that side of things too, but you have to move a lot in the zone as well. Like, especially the heat zone, it's like you have to cover so much ground and it's almost, it, you might having putting more pressure on that ankle, honestly, in that zone. And it, it's a weird dynamic. But in terms of them, we have to evaluate that part of it first. But if, in terms of what they want to do with like disregarding the ankle, I think they need to get away from the zone just as its base. Like a, the fact that in a playoff game that is zone as a base is wild. And the fact that they were in that game is wild. And that's just the the three-point shooting variant. Uh and credit to them. I thought they forced a decent amount of you know shots and got decent things out of it, but obviously it got torn apart when you're in it for three straight quarters. The adjustment, I guess, is First of all, this game three is like a clean slate. Like, you enter a game three where now this is the first time we've seen both of these rosters, like, plus Randall, plus Jimmy. This is the first time. So it might not be as much adjustments. It's just slate game plan, like, totally new game plan against what they want to do. I thought one of the biggest things Alex said on it before and said kind of missing Jimmy on both ends. I thought where they missed Jimmy probably more than anywhere else, and it's wild to say because they needed his scoring and they needed him to close, but was defensively, like, he is elite of the elite off ball defensively. And like when he can help off and recover on a shooter, when he can help off and muck up a, a drive on a Brunson pick and roll when he's even not defending Brunson, like all that stuff he does off ball, I think changes what the Knicks can do offensively. So I think that's going to be a big addition. I guess some changes they can make is uh, Jimmy's going to guard Brunson. Obviously now no more Caleb going to come off the bench. Uh, he mentioned about switch, like, kind of switching out Bam at times. I think they don't go to it a ton, I guess, the Brunson-Randall actions. But if like Bam's on Randall, Jimmy's on Brunson, I think they switch those actions specifically because J- Jimmy's actually done a pre- pretty decent job on Randall in the past. So that's something they could get to. Uh, and they love – they absolutely obviously love to use uh, Hart as a screener because it just gets them certain guys in the action that they want and try to switch it in those moments. But I didn't think they've done a bad job defensively. Now it's a clean slate. Now they have to see how, how they want to react. They are not going to change anything on RJ Barrett. That, as I've said many times, they are going to basically say, "RJ Barrett beat us two games in a row. He's done things in the first quarter, but guess what? Eric Spoelstra has not adjusted away from that. After RJ Barrett goes off, he doesn't adjust away. The Knicks adjust away." Like, have you seen RJ Barrett in a second half? I haven't like they they don't go to him like they do in the first quarter. Like they just absolutely utilize him that way. If I'm the Knicks and if I was, if we were sitting here talking about the Knicks side of things, I'd be saying, why isn't, why are we going to that as our base more often? If, if the heat are making us do that. So we'll see how, how long they can get away with that. And I think he's going to, he's going to ride that out as long as he possibly can. Uh, But we'll see what happens. I guess he's going to mask some certain things. I think Caleb does a decent job on Brunson as well. And I think, this will lean into something. I know we're going to talk about the offense next, but one of the things that I've kind of taken away from the main adjustment, uh, one of the main adjustments in game three is we're going to see a lot of Caleb next to Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of it. And I, th- I think one of the reasons is we could talk about defensively, the fact that you could put Caleb on Brunson and now you can use Jimmy as a roamer and you could all the stuff I just talked about with him off ball. He can help off. He can guard Randall if they need to switch it, uh, but he can muck things up off ball. But offensively, they need... A, cre- a second creator. And it sounds wild to say this, but they need a second creator that can get to the rim specifically, like off the perimeter. It's off the catch getting to the rim. And what Caleb was able to do that game too was impressive. And I think they need that with Jimmy because guess what that does? That gets their open threes and looks way like just much better shots overall. And I was looking at some of the numbers real quick to finish this up. I was looking at some of the Heat's two-man combos in the playoffs so far. So out of all of the combos that have logged 100 minutes, do you know what the number one two man combo is in the playoffs so far it's jimmy butler or, or the number one combo on offense side of things mm-hmm. is jimmy butler and caleb martin and i don't think it's a coincidence i mean you could put it caleb's numbers all those off on advanced statistics are good and jimmy's obviously been going crazy so that part of it doesn't is not kind of a surprise but you put them next to each other they're gonna provide rim pressure that they don't have right now and it provides much better looks. so i just think they're really going to lean into that for both ends
1: i i said after game two a couple of things. Well, first thing, uh, R.J. Barrett, there's a weird relationship there uh, with even the way the fans treat R.J. Barrett. It's like they feel like they have to prop him up. Like I, that really struck me at MSG. They start the R.J. Barrett chant if he does even anything at all. It's like it's very weird to see New York fans supportive of a former number three overall pick to this degree that like they're trying to give him confidence. I, I've never I've been to hundreds of New York sporting events. I've never really seen that before. You mentioned on Caleb. I think that when they get, and then we'll talk more about the offense on the other side of this. And I want to get into some rotation stuff. But to me, when Caleb Martin goes in the lab this offseason, he I think has the potential to be an ISO scorer for them, which I never would have said when he first got here.
3: That's where but he started.
1: Are, I know, and that, but there are signs of it that are that are here, and his handle's gotten tighter. And he's decisive in a way that a lot of their other players are not like I, I just I feel there's a skill set there that they can develop this offseason, especially when they put him back in his natural position to start next year instead of having to play out of position like he did all of this season. All right, when we um, I'll get past the break here, uh, I do want to uh, get into the offense a little bit more, but also the rotation here because. uh Will we see as much Vincent with lowry as we saw in game one? Um, and some. Of, what are some of the other combinations? The Zeller minutes were not good in game two, probably for the first time this season. The Zeller minutes were not good. So how, how will those be uh, affected as we go forward? Before we do, I do want to mention another great sponsor of the 5 Reasons Sports Network. This is for an off night, MiamiGamingParties.com. That's where you should go, MiamiGamingParties.com. They'll plan everything for you. It's exactly what it sounds like. They literally will plan a custom video game tournament for you at a location of your choosing. You can. There's different levels to this. They will bring all of the equipment, the PS5s, everything else, so that you can play and have a great time. It's MiamiGamingParties.com. It's a new company, but they're starting to get, obviously, a, a lot of uh, interest in what they're doing down here. And you can see there in the graphic, if you're watching on YouTube, they'll even bring you the trophies. Okay, They do absolutely everything. So reach out to them miamigamingparties.com big heat fans as well and they'll plan your, your party at any age level actually uh all the way up anybody and they'll and you let you choose the games that you want to play so check them out also check out our other great sponsor prize picks use that code five f-i-v-e get that initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars you're playing today they have the star wars stuff on there i know uh, alex and others were very excited about that i couldn't figure out who the hell was who uh but that's okay use the code five get your initial deposit matched up to $100. Make sure that you deposit when you sign up. We have people that are kind of waiting to deposit. No, get your money and start playing. So use the code 5-F-I-V-E. F-I-V-E. You can play NBA, but also they got the NFL Futures props on there. They've got MLS on there, NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs. You want to play the Panther games. You can do that as well. And of course, MLB, uh, MMA, boxing, it's all on there, PGA. So go to PrizeFix.com, the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store, and use that code F-I-V-E. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products, and that's why I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles, I love the way it looks, and I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard so better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. means you can use them longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as 2 bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash 5. That's harrys.com backslash 5. You'll get a $13 trial set for just 3 bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash 5 for your $3 trial set. All right, so let's just – I'm going to let Brady just – quick synopsis here because you were talking more defense and I want to give you a chance to talk offense too and then I want to pivot back to Alex about the rotation. Anything um, else offensively you think that they can do? Because it did seem like the strategy was – and it, the strategy without Jimmy has typically been bomb threes. Like that's <laughs> – we we knew that yeah, and that's what they did. And they, they hit a reasonable percentage of them. Um, but you've talked about how – they're better. They've been better this season at times when they take fewer. Um, so, what do you think the, the approach will be there?
3: So, I think a lot of this. Obviously, we should start with saying that it depends on Jimmy's ankle because I think you're thinking it's automatically you go back to high usage Jimmy, which I think we all expect too. Like I, I don't think this is going to slow him down where he has to start playing the role he played at the end of Game One, where he's sitting in the corner practicing his form. But uh, the one of the things I think they get back is, is one of the things I think they lean into most is. The way the guards are playing right now, like we could talk about Kyle and we could talk about, but, but the way Gabe is shooting, the way Kyle is kind of initiating getting into, and taking these pull-ups, the way Max and Duncan have hit on and off throughout this playoffs, they're going to lean into those guys creating more often, which, which should mean like, well, what are they going to do with Jimmy if he's, if he's not going to be high usage? Well, other than the fact that they've been doubling Jimmy, they've also been blitzing Gabe and Kyle and all those guys. So one of the things I think they do is they use Jimmy as a roller a ton. I think that's the next adjustment where – and it gets weird because I was thinking about it in terms of like every time Jimmy is used as a roller, they just like throw the ball up in the air and he has to go up and get it like a like a wide receiver. I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I'm worried about that ankle and one of those catches when I'm picturing it in my head. But I think they have to lean into that. Like that's the way to – if they're going to make these decisions on when to double Jimmy and when to double and blitz out in the perimeter, that is how you beat it. Make them make decisions. Make them shift up their defenses and kind of dictate things – and there's openings, and I said this before the series against the Knicks, that there's certain openings for Jimmy, I guess, as a roller. Like, there's just, you make them rotate in different ways. Like, there's there's been ways that they've gone to it in the regular season with Kyle and Jimmy specifically. So if these shooters are, are kind of hitting pull-ups specifically, which is going to be important at home, and I think you'd expect that better at home, uh, that's important. I was looking at some of the pull-up numbers, which is also an interesting aspect. They were averaging 22 points per game on pull-ups in the regular season. They're now at 32 points per game on pull-ups which is wild considering you take out the Tyler hero variant, like makes zero sense what they're doing right now. And it's actually, I think only less, the only team that's has more pull-up points is the Suns, who have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Like it's not a normal thing. And Jimmy's part of that. Jimmy's been huge in the pull-up aspect. So he's part of that as well. That's interesting dynamic. And the other thing I'll add to the offense, that I think they can, they can do more of is the Kevin love like motion sets. Like they have found a very big opening in the half court with Kevin Love. How many times they've run the same play where Kevin Love sets like a pin down or a back screen? They always go to Jimmy backdoor or anybody backdoor. Kevin Love ends up with an open three. Uh, they've run. They just run these certain sets with with Love in different spots where it's like he just gets open looks out of them. And the next adjustment for the Knicks, and this is where things get interesting is they could end up saying, well, if Kevin Love's just going to sit on the perimeter all game and all he's going to do is pop out to the three and just keep doing this over and over, we're going to put a smaller guy on him, and we're going to see how he adjusts from there. Now, all of a sudden, Kevin Love's going to be important in different motion sets because now he's going to need to take advantage of the smaller defender in the mid-post, and now we're having different discussions. So this is how the adjustments, I think, happen. So I think Kevin Love's going to actually be a decent part of that if they continue to go to him. So the pull-up shooting, Jimmy has a screener, and just the usage of Love is
2: kind of what I'm looking at.
1: You had one more before we get to the rotation thing, uh, Alex, about Mitchell Robinson.
2: Oh, yeah, and, and uh, Nikias Duncan of the Dunker Spot mentioned this, and I thought this is a pretty good one. He, he basically said, I think, that they should be engaging Mitchell Robinson uh, a little bit more than they have, and I, I tend to agree with that. He had brought up the exact number of times they had done it. It was pretty low, like uh, whether you looked at game one or game two. And I think it makes sense that you you try to take their rim protector out of the paint. And even if I think what they've done a good job engaging him in, in general is um, like, I think Bam has been a pretty good passer when they're playing him high up. Obviously the scoring part leaves much more to be desired, but as far as the, I think they've been with that, but I think that they've been as um, the pull-up shooter um, has been awesome. Like Brady was talking about there, but as far as passing out of those actions and kind of keeping the defense moving Out of there, I would like to see more of. Just bring him up. Just bring him up and try to get the you know the rim protector out of the paint a little bit more, and um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I love what Brady was talking about. I think we saw um, a lot of that throughout the season, but but, Jesus specifically throughout game one when they started Mm -hmm. going to him off ball, more of that. Whether it's him cutting to the paint with Bam at the top of the key or not, whether it's Kyle ball handling and Jimmy the screener, there's different ways that you can get to him. He's always been a fantastic off ball player. Like Brady said, he's, a, you know, he's basically a wide receiver out there. He can catch a lot of stuff that you throw at him. That's when you really see his functional athleticism. And so get to that more often. I think from there you can kind of uh, generate a lot of good looks because of the way that they're defending. Like make them come out to you. Make it harder for them to help the way that they want to because if you're just giving him the ball up top over and over, I think uh, that's kind of what they want to do. They, they're just like, okay, we're going to just send that help every time. And I think it's really shown up in their shot profile where they're taking the least amount of mid-range shots in the playoffs, at least since this um, series started, I should, I should say, because that's kind of what the Knicks are taking them out of. Obviously, without Tyler there um, and with the, the center playing a little bit higher up, so it's even harder for Bam to get that space in the mid-range. And without Jimmy in game two, all of that affects this. What I'm saying is I think the Knicks have kind of, you know, their game plan is showing you that they're trying to take the heat out of their game, which they were very good at the mid-range stuff. I think Jimmy is not getting those looks that he was getting in the Milwaukee series because of the way that they're defending. So, yeah, more movement and specifically more of that off-ball movement that we've been seeing where, you know, both sides of the court are getting engaged. Like you're playing all these shooters, you know, run some stuff with them. I, I, more of that stuff. It's like. I, I want the, the progression of what we were seeing in game one, basically.
1: And, and the thing about the playoffs is typically role players play better at home, but Miami was forced into a position where the role players had to take on bigger roles on the road and they all performed well. Um, and I mean, it's crazy to look at it. If they had just gotten more out of love, Lowry and out of bio, they win that game. The, the, the undrafteds did all the damage in that game. Gabe, uh, Gabe, Max, Caleb, and Adnan Highsmith were 24 of 47 from the field. If they had gotten more from the, the three guys that you kind of would lean on a little bit more to be good in that type of environment, they win that game. All right. I'm gonna do we're gonna do this one rapid fire here. We do want to mention we're gonna be on playback again on Saturday. So get primed on there. Again, this is free. As long as you are subscribed, you have a local uh, television provider or cable provider, you go on there. Just enter your name, your information. You can come on. You can chat with us. We're, we're on the stage there. If you want to turn down uh, the broadcast and listen to us, you can do that. I don't even know who's calling the game on. Oh, it's an ABC game on Saturday, right? So uh, it would be, it'd be an ABC crew there. Uh, Brady, Alex, and myself will be at the game, but Greg will be hosting on there with Sean Rochester, Brian Fonseca, uh, and others from the network. Rapid fire here, okay? We're going to go rolls up, down, Okay in this particular game, all right, in terms of what we might see for rotation. Uh, we don't need to do the BAM thing. We've done that before. We know he's going to have a prominent role as long as, again, he can be aggressive. Heat fans will get off his back a little bit. Uh, but in terms of others here, some of the some of the guys we saw in the last game, Haywood Highsmith, did you see enough, Brady, for him to get a longer look, uh, even with Jimmy back?
3: Longer look? I don't know. I mean, I, I liked what I saw from Highsmith a ton. I know you said – rapid fire, hmm. but he was the backup to Caleb. Like it was because Jimmy was out where it's like, they have to find minutes for him. I think they definitely find minutes for him, but I don't think it's any more. I, I just think he's probably their their not their backup five. Cause I think loves technically their backup five, but he's going to get those backup four or five minutes probably. Uh, and I don't think we see much Zeller.
1: Uh, Alex, uh, Kevin loves remains in the starting lineup, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think honestly that's been one of the kind of low key better parts for him the way that this playoffs have gone where he's matching up against two pretty big teams uh, back-to-back where he can be utilized and is kind of uh, necessary with the way that the heater built. I think he's he's a mainstay, and I kind of agree that um, Love, you know, what Brady was saying, what Brady was saying there, Love is the back of five. I think Highsmith, is min- I don't know if he plays another 15 minutes the way he did in game two, but it's probably going to get a shorter stint with Jimmy back. Um, and, yeah, I think Zeller's minutes get cut.
1: Alex looked at Duncan Robinson. If you're going to put him out there, you got to run something for him. I agree with that. Uh, What you've seen from and Robinson so far, again, provided that Max is healthy because he, he, he got banged up a little bit in the last game there. Would you change minute distribution for the two of them at all, Brady, or leave it sort of as it is?
3: I think you play it as it is. I think they've, they've been pretty clear that I think if Duncan, if they go to him and he's not capitalizing, they just won't go to him as much in the second half. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, but they've actually they haven't even done it to the extent that they used to. They're at least giving him a little bit more stint just because they need some type of, of kind of offensive half court movement. So I don't think much changes. Uh, and I think it depends. I mean, even is it, did they put Max Max hasn't been on the injury report, correct? Even no. with that, when he had his back. So, no. no, I don't think he'll be limited in any way because he even came back in the game. But I, that's the only way I could see things changing. I think otherwise everything stays similar.
1: The point guard distribution here in Alex, Alex, but also Gabe's aggressiveness. Um, do you expect we will see, now that, again, full complement of players, perhaps, for both teams, do you think we'll see Gabe be as aggressive as he's been so far this series?
2: Yeah. I mean, we've kind of seen it all playoffs. And whether it's the deep drop or the high drop that the Knicks are playing, I, I'm, that's not the right terminology. Coming up high mm. uh, towards the level of the screen, I think Gabe has been a good – I think he's done a great job attacking that. Like, you, you, he's done way more than you could have asked him for, I think, you know you would have told me before the playoffs that he's shooting a pretty efficient um, uh, level from kind of, you know, the mid-range three, averaging 15 points. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a great playoff.
1: 41% overall and averaging 15. You know, he's the one guy who has raised his
2: game. I need more from Kyle when you talk about
1: So go there. Okay, so because uh, yeah. Kyle Kyle didn't didn't impact the game in game two the way he needed
2: to. He had a great go. game one. And like I said, he, he's, you're not going to get that high level Kyle, every single game, but I just need, as far as the, um, the, uh, they like, I think they're in that point of the playoffs, you know, you kind of have to make them worry about you a little bit. I think, uh, Kyle is one of these guys where he he's done it in the playoffs multiple times. He's had big games, even though he's been hurt for, you know, his short so much of his short, um, he playoff career. I think he's shown you what he can do. I just think whether he's giving you a big points, you know, uh, Points, Rebounds, assists, stat line or not next game I just need him to take some of those shots That are available to him Like I think I mentioned this on another podcast Or maybe it was on playback I don't know, we do so much now <laughs> But like there's like a there's like two ends of the spectrum here Where Gabe is on one end and Kyle is on the other As far as like um, the way that they attack When they're handling, right? I think Gabe is, is almost kind of shoot first And um, Kyle is pass first Not that Gabe doesn't pass I'm not saying any of that I'm just saying that Gabe is much more willing to take those pull-up shots that are available to him. Whereas Kyle is kind of more about reading the flow of the game. And I I think he's a little bit too hesitant to take those shots when he's made so many of them for so long. Even if he's a little older, the legs are not what they were before. I know that takes, you know, that takes up some legs. That takes up some energy. Um, I need to see more of it. When Tyler's out, Kyle has got to take up some of that ball handling usage. We played amazing in game one. Like he was Maybe the biggest reason that they, I mean, it was, you know, everybody played great, but he was maybe the biggest reason they closed out in that fourth quarter when Jimmy was hobbled and just clearly not a part of it. So, yeah, I need more from Kyle. I just need him to, to be a real scoring threat out there without Tyler. I mean, obviously we could talk about Bam. We, we need more from him too. But as far as the guard play, uh, Kyle needs to kind of learn from Gabe a little bit there, <laughs> ironically.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, uh, one thing on that, it, it is amazing to me that the undrafted free agent uh, is, is more willing to pull than,
2: than, than the future. Well, well he's is, the one that's up for a, a new deal this summer. <laughs> he,
1: he is. And he's, he's earning one. Uh, I'll, I'll close here then with, with Bam. Um, Here's what I will say about Bam, okay? he He took responsibility again after the last game, although more so for the foul on Hartenstein, which of course was a botched call, not the foul itself, but but the fact that the three was allowed to count and all that sort of stuff. He took he took more responsibility for that than he did for not being aggressive enough offensively. Here's all I'll say on this. Jimmy coming back cannot be a reason for Bam to take another step back. It just can't. he He has to, especially if Jimmy's going to be hobbled in any way uh Bam, Bam has to be aggressive he's got to be aggressive from the start and I'm with Alex they've got to find ways to help him be aggressive as I said in the last podcast I think one of the things the playoffs have told us is you can't expect Bam to be a self-starter here offensively you just can't it's it's it, it requires. And, and again that's a whole nother conversation we'll need to have uh, and we have been having it but he he's gotta he's got to feed off the crowd here. He is a long-term pillar for this organization that's the way that they've portrayed him. that's what he wants to be. He needs to be aggressive in this game because I think they'll feed off that energy if he is. They typically do when he is aggressive, uh, but we'll see what happens here as we go forward. All right, Alex and I are going to be at practice on Friday, so we'll give you a practice report um, as we go forward. And then, of course, we have full coverage of the game on Saturday at 3.30. Thanks to our sponsors, MarkBrownPA.com. Again, if you need an estate plan or you need something done from a real estate attorney, closing, bankruptcy, anything along those lines, it can help you. MiamiGamingParties.com. prize Picks. Use that code five and join us on Playback on Saturday. Have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes